0: The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeele Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeele.ie today to start the search for your next car.
1: I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me 5 million a year I wouldn't go. <laughs> Rugby Rugby Weekly. Then the first pass. Hey! Hello everybody and welcome to your free Friday episode of Rugby Weekly with the 42. Gavin Casey with you here looking ahead to the World Cup semi-finals. Delighted to be joined by our man who is still in Paris. Murray Kinsella. great to see you. Are you feeling great ahead of these semi-finals? What's the vibe like over there without Ireland at the moment?
0: (laughs) Well, the mood has come around a little bit, to be fair. It's different, there's no big pockets of green jerseys around the Notre Dame or around the Eiffel Tower. There's no lads scrummaging cars. There's no balls being kicked up onto balconies outside Corcoran's pub uh, down by the Moulin Rouge. So it is a it is a bit different, I have to be honest, but it's exciting nonetheless. I've come around to being ready for these semifinals. I've been out to All Blacks camp, to England camp, to Springboks camp. I've seen Michael Checa in Argentina camp. And yeah, it's exciting to see a different bit of the World Cup, but it's, it is different, Gav. It is. Most of the Irish journals have gone home, hanging around with some Aussies and some English journalists and it's just a little bit different.
1: I'm gonna be honest, it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself that it's still good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of that. I've watched the game back repeatedly and I've thought about it <laughs> nearly all week. Um And I think most people are struggling to move on actually with it. They really are this time. Let's not, dig dig into it again because we did that twice on Monday and Wednesday I know some people couldn't listen and I totally understand that but yeah it's kind of hard to move on isn't it
1: has it been tough but before we fully move on from Ireland for a few weeks anyway has it been tough to actually review the game as an Irish person who obviously wanted Ireland to win I know you're there to provide objective analysis but let's be honest like media from every country we saw the Argentinians in the clip you threw out on Twitter you want your own country to win there's no point in pretending otherwise and certainly, even in our little WhatsApp group with Birch and Owen, when Birch sent in a clip of a missed Ireland chance among those last 37 phases, it crippled me again. I'm not going to lie. When I saw it, it, it just made me feel sick almost. And the thing is, I haven't actually watched the game back at all. And I never will. I never will. I don't have to. And I never will. <laughs> you guys have to actually pore over it. So I wonder what that process has been like.
0: It's kind of head-wrecking and I can only imagine I, I, I guess the players are in the same boat as you they won't watch it back they won't dwell on it they might have a, a couple of clips next time they come into camp on things they need to improve on and I would imagine it'll be just a few short clips because it's just traumatic for them I guess to, to look back for me yeah and it is and like every time you watch it back you almost change your mind around things did they play badly you almost convince yourself that they did because you see all the errors or the, the what-ifs or the there might have been, and then you think the next time you watch it, oh, they actually played really well, and it was just unlucky. And if that ball goes down, that mall try, they they're true to a semi final that they probably win, and they're into a final. So, and and everyone, like not just us, but everyone is still talking about that game. Even the Springboks and the All Blacks, and it was really interesting. Uh, Ian Foster and Aaron Smith and Anton Leonard Brown, and all of them actually were were still talking about the the game. Obviously, they're being asked about how they played etc but they're talking about how they need to park it and emotionally try and get themselves back up again from a place where they went to 100% in terms of emotions they had to go to a a peak there's a bit of comfort in that knowing just how much it took out of them how much they put into beating Ireland how long they obsessed over that fixture and they, and they really did and and it actually is a challenge for them to to go to the well again this weekend and, and maybe in a final so Everyone's still thinking about it. Honestly, Rassi was indirectly mentioning Ireland, as was Jacqueline Aber a couple of times this week and, and how they approached the World Cup and Yeah, Ireland make a they
1: made a big, big dent. The Scots are still taking the piss out of us as well online, I've noticed, which goes to show yeah, there's the that. extent to which Ireland were <laughs> on people's minds throughout the tournament and even before it.
0: Yeah, and even the yeah, even the Rico Ioani thing was a pretty big story this week, wasn't it? people wondering what happened there and the All Blacks answering questions about that and whether it was appropriate behaviour and you're, you're dead right, the Scots rubbing it in and yeah, they earned that in fairness. <laughs> when Ireland beat the Scots, they, they slandered them and they slagged them and we all probably did off the pitch as well. So what goes around definitely in rugby comes around. Yeah, I'm not sure that the Scots
1: earned it necessarily, but is it's within their rights to do it. <laughs> yeah, it is that's sp- sport. Yeah, that is sport. I, I actually enjoy all of that uh, aspect of sport, to be totally mm. honest. Even the Rico Yuani stuff, if he was goading the Irish fans, ah, it's in bad taste and you can sort of frame it in a negative light as much as you like for obvious reasons. But actually, it's big boy stuff. And uh, I, I think after 80 minutes of unbelievably intense heavy collisions and after several years in which the All Blacks have been written off and certainly because of the image of Ireland that they've partly created in their own heads as being a bit of a lippy team. Now Ireland are lippy, don't get me wrong you've got Peter Romani, Johnny Sexton and other guys like that nothing is sacred on the pitch anyway but I just mean there is a perception of Ireland out there as being overtly confident, which they are and uh, the release of beating a team like that in front of 60-odd thousand of their fans and far fewer of your own fans feeling like an away game. Man, let it out however you want. Like, it's highly emotive stuff at the end of a game. And and by the way, in saying that, Johnny Sexton well within his rights to react that way as well. That's what Mm. I mean. It's just like, let people show emotions however they want and if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I didn't
0: think it was an especially big deal. I agree. That's that's how emotions run high and it's almost good to see how much it means and the All Blacks had built it up for so long this game, so long. They came with such a brilliant plan, just focus on Ireland and that's never really happened before. So it's a sign of the times that, that Ireland have earned that kind of respect, but also just how much it meant to the All Blacks. I mean, if you look back at the final whistle, virtually every single one of them sinks to their knees and just reaches for the sky and just releases sheer... Joy, relief, all those emotions, and, and Ireland are sinking to their knees in a different way, of course. But you saw how much, especially after thirty-seven phases, how much it meant to everyone on both sides. And yeah, Rico having a, I mean, it was only a, a quick little cup of the year and a quick little shush. It's not a, it's not a massive deal, is it? That's no. Why well, can that sport? It's a personal perspective, but
1: I can't sit here and find amusement in Peter Romani sowing it into the Scots after that game and then yeah, take yeah. offence because Riccio Ioanni does something similar. I know Ioanni, people will argue is aiming it towards the crowd, whereas Omani is talking about Scottish players who were talking. I actually don't really think Ioanni is even doing that. More so mm. he's aiming it towards the institution of Irish rugby. Like yeah. it's not it's not personal against the fans.
0: And as you said, the Irish players they do they do get stuck into everyone. They're they're big they've become bigger on the sledging and the little reminders of what's happening in the game when it's going well for them. So it's it's on both sides. Irish rugby players are not <laughs> faultless in this regard. So I don't think we can be too critical of, of other nations doing stuff like that.
1: Just before we look at New Zealand, Argentina, was there any word over there as to the legitimacy or lack thereof to the screenshot of Sam Cain's
0: texts that were floating around? Did you see these? I did see it. I instantly presumed it was fake because that's the world we live in now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm I'm presuming it's fake because one of his close mates is not going to do that. Really, I mean, it's the most obvious thing where it leaked from. <laughs> if it actually is real, he'll never speak to that person again. I can I can imagine. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure they there are actual WhatsApps of a similar, a similar note <laughs> and uh, tone. So, yeah, they absolutely they enjoyed Sony and Ireland. They did, and it was by the finest margins. But they are. They're smug this week. They are. They are. Ian Foster. He does smug really well. Actually, it's one of his um one of his key kind of notes. But he, they deserve to be. They they came up with a brilliant plan and they won the game and they're into a World Cup semi final that they're really expected to to win. And after all the questions around him, around Kane, around the whole squad, really, and and whether they're a a good All Blacks team, they've answered them. I mean, yeah, there could be a misstep tonight, but. They've they've done really well to, to come from a place where they look to be shambolic at times or a bit of a mess. So not sure what they were, but now they're organised and now they're on the same page. And yeah, last weekend was brilliant for them.
1: Just in case you didn't see the screenshot of those alleged messages, by the way, it goes along the lines of Sam Kane telling a friend of his how immensely satisfying it was to send Ireland home and a, a message in which It's claimed that Rikyo Iwani tells Johnny Sexton not to miss his flight the following day and one where Sam Whitelock is alleged to have told Peter Omani four more years you F with channeling his inner George (laughs) Gregan. And whether or not it's true you can imagine the reality being quite similar to that to be honest. And look as we've discussed New Zealand deserve their moment and deserve to really revel in it if that's what they're doing. They have Argentina tonight Murray. We can kind of not gloss over this game necessarily but we have previewed it during the week for the 42 subscribers and just because we're recording on a friday afternoon the game's a friday evening maybe let's focus more so on england south africa but quickly do you feel they will actually the all black that is be able to rediscover that emotional pitch that they had against ireland or or at least get to a level where they remain too good for an improving puma
0: side that's my sense that they'll be able to produce enough to, to get through a semi-final and and then go again at a massive level for, for the final. I, I do think that they've not had great injury issues. They've got some of their best players in their best form and having reminded themselves almost of just how good they can be. And that's a a, a powerful thing. And they're, they're strong favourites absolutely, deservedly. It'll be fascinating to see what the Pumas deliver because in these... One-off games, Pumas can be really brilliant, and and we've seen against New Zealand in 2020 and last year in Christchurch when they won over there for the first time. When they bring that mixture of physicality and that little bit of accuracy when they have the ball, because they can be loose at times, the, the, the Pumas. But when they have that blend, they're they're a really good team. And yeah, it was really interesting to go to to see Michael Checa. He was he did most of the press conference in a kind of blend of Spanish. Italian, French. He was kind of <laughs> jumping between the languages. It was very strange, very interesting. But absolutely doing his best with what is, as you mentioned, a really passionate media. I couldn't get over the energy in the room and the the support that their media have for the team. They're really part of it. high and all the players when they come in and when they leave, they're very close to the team and it's different to any other media I've seen. And Cheka's energy as well is quite infectious you know he's a charismatic intelligent emotionally smart he he knows how to he knows how to poke a team the right way and I think he will poke them the right way for this game and they'll unleash everything I I still think if the All Blacks are near their best they're they're too good for them but I think the Pumas are in a kind of no lose position they've got some really good players of their own they've got a lot of experience in the squad especially up front And I'd love to see them make a real battle of it. And I think Czechos smarts
1: are actually underrated or understated in the world game. I've said this ad nauseum on the subscriber pods, but the only head coach to ever win both the Champions Cup and a Super Rugby title, bringing Australia to Mm. a final in 2015, these are big feathers in the cap of a guy who seems to thrive in a knockout rugby environment. Once he gets into that bracket, it feels like he knows how to actually get the emotional pitch right for his team and I was looking at Argentina last night and just their form line or or their probably their last five six games and like their preparation for this tournament was quite different to the other tier one nations in the sense that they only played one warm-up game in the three three and a half weeks before kickoff against England that was against Spain they looked brutal against England there's no way he could have been preparing for them to shit the bed to that extent but I would say Mm. there is a deliberate ploy by him here to build very incrementally, get to the quarters, aim to peak there and from there, and actually try to spare as much injury as possible because they don't really have the depth of talent as even a Wales or England, to be totally honest. So in a way, to have gone to a semi-final and having only lost Pablo Matera and to have what should be a pretty fresh team, he's put them in the best possible situation for tonight's game, right? Like, they may lose, they may even lose heavily, that would probably just come down to the fact that New Zealand are a, a better team. Cheka has actually played the whole thing pretty well, though, as a tournament.
0: He has. You're, you're bang on. And he actually kind of alluded to that as well. Not saying that he gave away that first game, but he appreciated that it would be stressful for the players, and they might not handle it perfectly, but that the pool could still work out for them even with a with a defeat there and and it did and, and it's worked out really well for them and his track record is it's brilliant you know he had that kind of dud period in Stade Francais which, which didn't work out well at all but to come to Leinster and not only win the Hunting Cup they won the Celtic League the year before that which is kind of forgotten about and created a expectation of success there and to take over the Waratahs and lead them to a super rugby title now all the more so it seems Incredible that he that he did that with a, with an Aussie team and and made them real winners and they played with almost an arrogance and an expectation again that they'd win and the Wallabies again what a quick turnaround he had there and it it petered out absolutely afterwards but for that tournament in 2015 he did an outstanding job so yeah he is a proven winner and he's when you when you see him speaking when and he was delighted to see the Irish journalists actually I uh, I don't know if people know Derek Foley. Who's a, a bit of a legendary figure in the the rugby world? He he asked a question, and and Czech was delighted to see that, and we got a couple more in, and he spoke about Felipe Contepomi actually, and how Leinster that period in Leinster really levelled him up in terms of his coaching, and that's another part of it as well too, kind of ex Leinster legends to for for people to to get behind, but but yeah, Czechs. His record is really proven and I think you're right, he's approached this in a very thoughtful, considered way and here they are in a, in a semi-final. I, listen, the All Blacks are, are the heavy favourites and it will be an absolute shock if they don't get over this hurdle and into a final but Czech's done a, a, a very good job there. The 42 Ropey Weekly is sponsored by Deal Motors, Ireland's favourite
1: and number one car site with the largest range of premium cars in the country, including brand new cars, electric cars and premium used. You have been with the box and been with England in a media context, Murray, during the course of the week. I've got to ask you about England. Do you feel an actual conviction uh, in their confidence ahead of this game do you get the impression that they believe they can actually win this game when the
0: rest of the rugby world probably wouldn't agree with that they do definitely I don't think any team that includes personalities like Owen Farrell like Marwa Toje, Courtney Laws there's another Centurion there in Dan Cole there's a whole lot of experience through that team I don't think a side like that ever majorly doubts themselves and, and they are huge underdogs there's a 14 point margin I think it is and and that's warranted given what we've seen from both teams over the course of the year but even Bortwick like I, w- we, I went out yesterday and he's he's satisfied with himself and he's enjoying the fact that they're in a World Cup semi-final and everyone wrote them off me included I doubted they even even with the great route to this this point I doubt they would they would do this and he's enjoying that he enjoyed the fact that Rossi got his uh, team prediction earlier in the week wrong and the interesting enough the the kind of relationship between the English media and Borthwick has really frosted over there there's not a, a lot of grow there both ways and you can kind of sense that when you're in the room and like the, the criticism was warranted they were playing really badly in in the Six Nations and in the warm-up games and since then, they've explained that they were heavily conditioning the players just a couple of days before those warm-up games and that was part of the plan and that they've got the results of that now and that and that's fair enough. But yeah, very strange kind of relationship there and there's not a whole lot of a lot of love in that room. But he's, in his own mind, he's not thinking about the draw. He's not thinking, oh, I got lucky here. He's thinking, I've done a really good job. We're in the World Cup semi-finals. A load of other good teams aren't and, and that's where we are now. We've got this kind of free shot really at the the box a week after they had to really go to the well uh, to beat the the hosts and I think they're, they're enjoying the position they're in I was writing a quick kind of semi-finals tee up on the 42
1: last night and I was thinking to myself how insane it is the degree to which the picture has flipped since the 2019 World Cup final between England and South Africa in that you have now an unfancied team with a basic, kick-heavy, strong defensive kind of a game plan against an (laughs) all-conquering, well-rounded team who've just produced one of their great World Cup performances and dumped out the tournament favourites in the previous round. Only this time around, the basic enough-looking team is England and this really universally brilliant team is South Africa. And it's just crazy how both perception and reality has actually changed in four years. As we were chatting about earlier in the week though because of that or because of those added dimensions to South Africa's game it feels as though if they can play anything resembling the game they played against France or kind of use any significant portion of their palette they have too many strings to their bow for England we were saying with on Tuesday, they England need to turn this into an arm wrestle my suspicion is that South Africa have enough to even take it out of that kind of a dynamic of a game if they
0: need to? I'd have the same suspicion. I, I thought it was interesting that they end up not changing anything and there was strong rumours that they would and maybe Rassi was the one who started those just to, to get an English heads. But it's a, it's a really excellent 23 and if they play, as you say, close to their best, then they'll they'll beat England. It's actually been really interesting to see the fallout from France exiting the group. Even today, I, I went down to the Boulangerie this morning and someone said it to me again about the the referee. They're really not letting this one go. They're deeply disgusted. They think they got they think they got shafted actually. Um and there's actually a piece in Midi Olympique today where where World Rugby have clarified to France that there were a couple of decisions that didn't go their way. And I think that's stirring it all up in, anew and there's deep Despondency, like we've been talking about it this week on the pods, about our um, regrets for for Ireland, and the same is very, very much true here. And it has taken the wind out of the sails of it in a great degree in in France. I think I've I've met three different people who've said anyone but England. That's that's what they want to see in the the rest of the World Cup. So uh, most people are united on, on that front, but there is a kind of. Well, not a lethargy, that's the wrong word. I think the matches will excite people, but there's... Apathy. Great despondency. Apathy, yeah, yeah. Because it's not just France out, but it's also Ireland with their fans who added so much colour. And I think the French people really wanted an Ireland-France final. Everyone I've met has, has said that they think it would have been just the perfect um, decider. So interesting to see that. And, jeez, and Ben O'Keefe is not popular in France at the moment, which is a little bit unfair, but... If we're rugby, are clarifying a few of those decisions, then that doesn't doesn't help me either. Um, but the box won that game. They they played brilliantly. I thought they were, as you say, very well rounded. They took their chances really clinically. They kicked well. They attacked well at times. And Owen described that key passage where they broke out off a scrum in their own twenty two. So it wasn't just the the kick approach. And they defended with a degree of ferocity that is unmatched. I think in any other team they. They clung on against a, a a French side that is brilliant, really brilliant, and could have scored more tries against any other defence, I think. So they'll be confident again this week. And as Rassi keeps them mentioning, they're very fresh and they haven't overplayed their players. And he they, they love talking about that <laughs> and having a little dig at Ireland as well. So they are deservedly the the heavy favourites. So we're looking at
1: another final. There haven't been too many in fairness. Was it ninety? Five. I'm just thinking of finals between the big two
0: yeah. Is it just that one? I think so Off the top of my head as well And and it would be a great final It it, it really would Listen, if someone upsets the apple cart Over the next couple of nights then, then brilliant and fair play to them But I think at this stage Particularly for the World Cup organisers They probably want that final, don't they? With the two heavyweights The two powers who've been there and done it And so many global superstars in, in both those teams. It would be a pretty epic match-up, even given the fact that the box gave them an absolute pacing just before the World Cup would add another element to it as well. And Yeah, you can't write anyone off, but that's what we're expecting, definitely. And it is mad as well, just to finish, that if
1: it was a South African-New Zealand final, we'd be looking at a really tactically fascinating game. And what's mad about that is purely because 18 months ago, New Zealand were such a... I'm not saying their players were dumb, but they looked like a dumb team. There was really Mm -hmm. very little nuance to their attack in particular. They didn't seem to be able to specifically plan for opponents. They were quite reliant on the fact that they've unbelievable athletes, particularly in their back three, and just like pounce in transition and the rest will look after itself, which in this day and age, it just won't. But now you have... So many wrinkles to their game. You've got coaches like Joe Schmidt who are able to meticulously plan specifically for tiny little uh, kinks or chinks, excuse me, in an opposition's armory. And then you have South Africa who are masters of that and have been for a while. In fairness, as much as maybe this week feels a little bit anticlimactic for both rugby casuals and rugby nerds, a <laughs> New Zealand South Africa final will be a lot
0: of fun next week. It'd be brilliant and it's all the kind of, without Ireland, it's all the great minds who are here now. Borthwick is different, I think, to, to the others because he's so, it's almost a studied dullness in, in the media. He's just not willing to give anything and it's deeply boring listening to him talk in the media context. But I, from what I gather, he's completely different behind the scenes and he's, of course he is, of course he's a, he's a brilliant coach and he's a great motivator of of players in a different way to to the others and that's what makes it riveting. You've got Cechi, you've got Rassi, you've got Foster in his own way who's different again. He's the more kind of dour, gruff, d- uh, dry humour of, of the Kiwis and and actually all of them are really well suited to the, the stereotypes of their nations really, aren't they? Rassi, the bombastic, opinionated South African. You've got Cechi who's almost that emotional. He gets the high pitches and he really lives the the games, as I say. fosters that kind of dour, dry humour, and and Bortwick is he's the epitome, really, of the stereotypes around Englishness of almost uh, a studied politeness uh, to to how he, he speaks to people. So they're they're big personalities, and the teams include twenty three, all of them big personalities, big players. It's going to be fun and fascinating, and often the semi finals are they can be the most difficult. You think of South Africa last time against Wales in 2019. It was their most difficult game. They nearly, they nearly lost that one and it's almost just about getting over this, this bump and, and then producing something special in the final. So, yeah, there are two heavily favoured sides who we expect to go through but there definitely will be some bumps in the road.
1: As you say, Borthwick is definitely a cerebral rugby mind behind the scenes. That's all you hear about it's him missed, actually. isn't it? He's yeah. nerdy but he does embody like he is the most typically english man isn't he he kind of just as (laughs) you were speaking there i thought to myself boardwick would be an excellent you know those guys who kind of feck arse around outside buckingham palace with the big hats (laughs) Yeah, and they i don't know if if they're even allowed to talk to people out my my knowledge (laughs) there is severely lacking but he would just and you could slot him in any era like he could be doing that during one of the I don't know, Henry VIII's reign, he would have done the same job. But yeah, he may be underestimated though because of how little he gives away. Like, look, you mentioned there, nobody expected England to get to this point. And actually, out of those five teams that realistically had a chance to make it to a semi-final from that, uh, from that bracket, say, I would have thought that England were the close enough to being the biggest basket case of those it was always going to be the team or the two teams excuse me who were the most functional the most fundamentally sound it was never going to need to be spectacular that were going to make it through Mm. i would have had england nearly bottom of that list and he has made them functional pretty well drilled and solid in a quick
0: space of time he deserves credit for that for sure and this is this is the plan like they (laughs) reveal little snippets of it yesterday joe martin was saying that back in July when they were in Verona training in 45 degrees Borthwick was actually talking about this game and this strong possibility that they would be here where they are right now and he is a, he's a brilliant technician and because he's he doesn't give anything to the media I think that that is a little bit lost we're we're an impatient bunch we want good quotes we want answers to our questions and Borthwick doesn't answer any question <laughs> he just doesn't give anything you ask him the most innocuous question and he just talks around it and that's because um, Gavin Mayers wrote a brilliant piece in the Telegraph when he took over just about how he was stung when he was a, a player and and that colours everything he does in the media now and, and he's just so, so guarded but you know, I I remember speaking to James Cronin who worked with him in Leicester and he, and he said this guy is phenomenal, phenomenal, like he's just a brilliant rugby coach and a, uh, and a great kind of leader so we definitely don't see the reality of it but if, as expected, they go out, he's been a World Cup semi-final coach, and he can, I suppose, have the the last laugh over the likes of me.
1: <laughs> over oh, all of us, to be totally honest, we will leave you for the moment. Murray, go well this evening. <laughs> Catch you later. Cheers. For anybody who wants to join us on Mondays with Bernard Jackman, on Wednesdays with Don Tulan, plus subscribe generally to all of Murray's brilliant analysis, all of our rugby writing, and offerings across pretty much every sport. Those include podcasts, Gavin Cooney's Behind the Lines uh, Sports Writing Podcast, which is back up and running for its latest series, one of my favourites. It is the 42.e forward slash subscribe. You'll get all the details there. And yeah, do join us. Why not? But we'll leave you for the moment. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and catch you next Monday if you're a subscriber. If not, back in this slot this time next week. Take care.
0: The boys in the beds are alive.